This is a Saddleback Church podcast. We're in the second week of a message series called Journey to the Manger. And this series uh, is a series really that's preparing our hearts as a church family for Christmas. Uh, Getting ourselves ready for the celebration of the moment where God would come from heaven to earth to split time in two. And it reminds me, as we're getting ready for Christmas, you know, the gospel messages are different between Christmas and Easter. There's a lot more in the Bible, or I should say, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John on Easter than there is Christmas. And I remember one time I was speaking with a mentor. It was like my 10th Christmas preaching. And I had preached all the stories. Like I had preached the shepherds, I had preached the magi, I had preached all of them. And I'm calling my mentor and I'm like, hey, I'm running out of stories to preach on Christmas. It's like I'm back to the first message. And this guy's been doing it for like 40 years. And so he comes back and he says, hey, Andy, um, you don't need to make it anything that it's not. Just share the story of Christmas. And that moment was really a, a moment for me of looking and saying, okay, the wonder, nobody could ever write a story better than the story of Christmas. That when you read the gospel message and you read the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and you see the glimpses of what happened that moment when God split time, when God became one of us. It truly is the greatest story that has ever been told. And we're looking at snapshots of the Christmas story. So last week we looked at this journey that we go on of waiting, and we talked about how we're all on a journey of waiting. Uh, This week we're gonna talk about how we're all on a journey of searching and looking for answers. Next week, Stacy's gonna talk about the journey of discovery And then in the last week, we're gonna talk about the journey of fulfillment. And today what I wanna do is I wanna focus on the reality that we are all searching for something. And I wanna let the production team know my clock has not started, so I might preach way too long if you don't start it. So thank you very much. No, these things happen. So uh, I I wanna share about the journey of searching through the angle of puzzles. Now, I've got this elf puzzle. How many of you guys like to watch elf during the holidays? It's one of our family favorites. And um, I believe that there are two types of people in the world. There are those who love puzzles, and there's the rest of us. Now, how many of you like puzzles, just out of curiosity? Okay, and don't take this personally, okay? This is nothing against puzzle people. Um, I'm just not one of them. And What you do in our family, so we actually take the puzzle out and the pieces get spread. We have one on our kitchen table right now and you just kinda dump the pieces on the table. And that moment when the pieces get dumped on the table, you look at it and somehow it's gonna become this picture right here. And in your heart, in your mind, you're like, oh my goodness, how in the world am I ever gonna make this out of this? And I was sitting at the kitchen table with Karis, my daughter, doing a puzzle this past week, and I'd been there about 10 minutes, and she looks at me and says, Dad, have you found any pieces yet? As if to shame me. I'm like, no, I haven't. In fact, I would rather have my eyebrows plucked out one hair at a time than to do puzzles, but I love you, that's why I'm at the kitchen table. Now, there are other puzzles. This is a 500 piece, and that that probably is a little bit easier, but. If I were to do a puzzle, this is my kind of puzzle right here. It's, it's three pieces. It's like you pull it out, takes you about 30 seconds. It's, there's something about like that obsessive compulsive tendency in me, so, to, so satisfying, and it's done. It's like so easy. Now, life is like 
a puzzle. You know, we spend most of our lives searching for answers, looking, looking for hope, looking for truth, looking for meaning. And you, you can think about your life from circumstances, and you look at the world, and you think of all of what's happening in our world right now, from the war in the Middle East, to what is happening in Eastern Europe, to the chaos in the United States of America, to increasing polarization. There, there's all that's happening on the outside, but there's also our own journey that we're trying to make sense of. And so often, it can feel like a puzzle with all the pieces out, and you don't have a picture of what it's gonna look like, and you're trying to figure it out. And what I have in mind today is there are some of you that you're on this journey of searching. I think about a guy that's about my age in his early 40s, and maybe you're more successful than you've ever been, and you're making more money than you thought you'd ever make, and you've got, your kids are doing great with school, but there's something that is still empty on the inside, and you put your head down on the pillow at night, and you realize, man, there's something that, that, that's not right on the inside. There's something that I'm longing for that I'm not getting out of this life. And I think about some of you who are perhaps single and you're, you're still searching and looking and you thought by now you'd be married or you'd have kids. Or perhaps you're married and you thought by now you'd have a family and a few kids in the household and every holiday season it's a reminder of what's missing. And there's this part of your life that you're searching and longing and looking for answers in that journey that we're all on. We are all looking for answers to the deep questions of life. And Solomon and Ecclesiastes would write about this journey. And he talked about how he had everything he could have ever wanted. He had all the houses he could have ever wanted. He had 700 wives, so he had a lot of women in his life. He had, he had all the money. He had all the success and fame that he could have ever wanted, but he was still empty on the inside. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9, he makes this statement. He says, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity inside of the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. What he's saying is there's this part of your heart that only God can fill. There's this part of you that is searching and looking until it finds rest in God. That part will never feel full. And I know that this holiday season, there are some of you that are here listening to my voice, some of you online that are streaming our services, and you don't know for certain that you have a relationship with God, and there's something inside of you still looking for the deeper answers to life. And I believe today, God wants to meet you in that. God wants to fill that space in your heart as you're on a journey of searching. And to help us today, we're gonna look at the story of the Magi. These are also known as the wise men. And I want you to see this picture of the wise men. The story's found in Matthew chapter two. And uh, this is a picture. Jesus was certainly not white. Um, if you're listening, it's a picture. It's a white baby Jesus. We, we know he was born in the Middle East. He was not white. But oftentimes, we've got these paintings and drawings that remind us of Christmas. And these are the three magi who show up. And historically, what we know is that Jesus was not an infant at the time that they came. Perhaps he was close to two years old and they had come from a distant land. They were not Jewish. They were actually coming to Israel to find the newborn king of the Jews. But what's kind of ironic about this story that we're gonna look at today is that these, these men who traveled across close to 900 of my, miles in the desert, they did not have all of the prophecies that the nation of Israel had. 
The Israelites had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years, had hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah, and they missed him. They missed that he was there. But these magi from far off had one prophecy, and we'll see that one prophecy that they had that led them to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem. In Matthew chapter two, we pick the story up. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, it's important for us to recognize and know Herod, Herod is not Jewish. He's put into leadership by the Roman Empire, and there's all kinds of chaos that is happening right at the time that Jesus comes. There are all these forces that are converging. There's the oppression of the Romans on the Israelites, and there's this guy named Herod who's kind of like a rent-a-cop. Like, he's... Uh, He's not the real deal. Like, he's not the, I, sh- I meant to say rent a king, not rent a cop, but it came out wrong. So I do apologize if that's your job. But, um, but he was like, he was like a rent a king. And so he's there placed by the Romans. Pro- problem with being an extrovert is you stick your foot in your mouth a whole lot. So um, he's like a rent a king. There we go. So he's there placed by the, by the Romans. And it says about that time, some wise men from the eastern land, Magi, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now notice the clarity for these Magi, these wise men, why they're there. They have come to find the newborn king of the Jews. They have come to worship Jesus. They have come to give gifts and bow at his feet. They knew what they were looking for. And it was based on one prophecy in Numbers chapter 24 in the Old Testament. Uh, This was written literally hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. And it says this, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. So what this prophecy is saying that he will come and a star will be a part of the story. Now these magi, they were stargazers. They were astrologers who looked at the stars for signs from the heavens. And there's a lot of different debate on what the star was meant or what it was about. There was a supernova about that time. Some people believe it was a supernova. Some historians believe that it literally was an angel that led these guys. Some believe it was just God's overwhelming glory like he led the Israelites with fire in the desert. All of that you could debate about all day long. What is important to know is that God met these men who were searching for him where they were and led them to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem. And what it means is that God will use whatever means necessary to get us to him. God will use circumstances to change our lives and direction. God will use pain in our lives to reveal himself. God will use dreams to open our eyes. In the Middle East right now, Uh, There are literally hundreds of thousands of people coming to faith through dreams of Jesus showing up in the middle of the night. God will use whatever it takes circumstantially to point us towards truth. And he uses this star to get these men to Jerusalem. But it's important to know how God connects with them. They knew what they were looking for. And that's the first truth I want to camp on. In order to step into And in order to find what I'm looking for, the title of my message is The Way to Find What I'm Looking For. I have to know what I'm looking for. I have to know what it is that I'm in search of. And you today, you're you're in search of something. 
every season of life we're searching, and ultimately there's this deeper longing of our hearts that we are searching, searching for answers, for hope, for truth. Now the problem for us is there are desires that war against one another. And a couple of weeks ago I spoke about this, the difference between our, our strongest desires and our deepest longings. That so often in our lives we've got these strong desires on the surface and we've got the deeper longings of our heart. And what Jesus would do so often as he was teaching is he would encourage people to tap into what are the deeper longings of your heart. In John chapter one, verse 35, Jesus is beginning his public ministry. This is like 30 years after the Magi. And as he's beginning his public ministry, John the Baptist has a group of followers that leave him and come and follow Jesus. And as they start to follow Jesus, I want you to see what happens. It says the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus then, after these disciples started to follow him, turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? What do you want? What are you looking for? What are you after? Why are you following me? What are you seeking? And he's challenging them to, to wrestle through. Why are you following me? What is it that you truly want? Now here's a phrase I wanna encourage you to write down. When it comes to understanding desire, when it comes to understanding what it is that we want, my strongest desires in life, your strongest desires are often at odds with your deepest desires. So there are these deeper longings of your heart. There's something that you want now and there's something that you want more. There's something that you desire in this moment and I would venture to say one of the greatest desires in the human experience is for us to live a life that's free of pain and full of pleasure. So we will do whatever it takes to get pleasure and avoid pain. And so many of the problems that we experience in life are on the backside of avoiding the pain that's necessary for progress and pursuing pleasure that will never satisfy us. There's a lot to what I just said right there. That the adversity that often comes when you want something, if you want a great marriage, it's hard. You wanna have a great relationship with your kids, it's hard. You wanna succeed in your work, it takes work. Everything in life that is of value involves a level of adversity in pain or resilience. And sometimes we're living at the surface with our desires, what we want now over what we want most. And what God wants to challenge us with is to get into that deeper desire that when you get down the road 10, 15, 20 years from now, there's gonna be a moment where you look back and it will have flown so quickly. I was walking around the lake near where I live yesterday and I saw this dad, a little three-year-old kid, and I remembered my oldest is 17 and I remembered a time where they wanted to hang out with me. And, and it, it just struck me, it goes so fast. And sometimes we're so on to the next thing, we're moving so quickly that we don't stop and slow down long enough to say, what is it that my heart truly is longing for? So I wanna encourage you today to wrestle through, what are you searching for? In your notes, there's a blank that says, I am searching for. Now I know it will cause you to tremble, but I'm not gonna give you a word for that blank. You have to write your own word in. You've gotta tap into, what is, it that you, what is it that you're longing for? And I wanna challenge those of you who are searching for truth. 
searching for answers. Perhaps you're here in church for the first time. Somebody brought you. And there's hope, there's answers that God wants to give to you today. But the challenge is to go to that deeper place, the deeper longings. C.S. Lewis says it so beautifully about this tension that we experience with desire. He says it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. So like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. So often in our lives, we never tap into the deeper desires. These wise men had tapped into this deeper longing for answers. They're looking for the Messiah. They're coming to Jerusalem. They know what they're looking for. There's also something else that's at play. Now, if we come back, I want you to go to Matthew 2 again with me, but this time in the English Standard Version. And it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, this is a threat statement. This is like a bringing to the surface that Herod's a, a rent-a-king. Like, this is... We're after the one who was actually born king of the Jews, not just thrown into this position. For we saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now Herod and the Israelites missed the Messiah's coming. And part of the reason why they missed the Messiah's coming, for Herod, there's this battle of thrones. There's this game of thrones that's happening. He doesn't want anybody else in the position of power, so he's threatened, and he can't actually see what's in front of him just down the road in Bethlehem. But these wise men who've taken this journey have come from the far east, most historians believe somewhere near uh, Baghdad in Iraq, so they've traveled all this way, but I want you to consider 900 miles of travel through the wilderness, cold at night, on camels, if you've ever ridden on a camel, but it's, it's not the greatest experience. And they, they've traveled all this way to get to Jesus to worship him. And what I want us to see is that they were wholeheartedly seeking truth. And I believe to find what we're looking for, there has to be a commitment to be a wholehearted seeker of truth. Sometimes in our lives we want, we want pat answers. We'll kind of scroll through. And TikTok right now is just famous for giving like short bursts of answers. Instagram is true. You got influencers. I, again, I, I've said this in sermons, but I've asked my kids, what do influencers do? And they say, well, nothing they influence. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It's like they just sit there all day and make videos for Instagram. That's awesome. And then we listen to what they say. We don't know what their marriage is like. We don't know what their relationship with their kids is like. There's no proof of what they're saying. They just say it and we listen to it and we apply it to our lives and then we're miserable and we wonder why. And what I wanna encourage you is there is actually a place that you can go for truth but it requires you to be a wholehearted seeker of truth. So sometimes we want the short, easy answer rather than going all in to discover what is true. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, uh, Jeremiah is writing, God is speaking through him in the Old Testament, and he says this, you will seek me and you will find me 
when you seek me with all your heart. And what God is saying is that if you want to discover me, if you want to hear from me, if you want to encounter me, there's this turning of your life with a whole heart towards him. And there are some of you that maybe there was a season of your life where you were all in for God. There was a season of your life where you were reading the Bible and you were praying, but if you're honest with yourself, you've drifted, and you're kind of a half-hearted seeker of truth. And what God is inviting you into is a full pursuit of him, that if you want to see him, if you want to know him, if you want to experience him, there's this wholehearted pursuit that results in experiencing more of God. See, God is like a gentleman, that he, he's not going where he's not wanted, and God he comes where he's desired. And if there's a longing in your heart for more of God's presence and power in your life, you will experience it. God, God's not drifted. God is in the same place that he's been. It's kind of like sometimes I'll step on the scale and I'll look at the scale and I'll be really upset at the scale. I'm like, okay, I, I really want to lose weight, but I've been eating lots of cookies and I haven't been exercising, but the, the scale is the problem. No, it's, it's, it's my pursuit that's the problem. So it's like a half-hearted, I really, I really wanna lose weight, but if you really wanted to lose weight, you wouldn't eat the cookies. And I wanna encourage you when it comes to God, some of us will say, I really wanna know God, I really wanna know truth, but if you're looking at your life, your life will be a reflection of what you truly desire. And I wanna encourage you, the greatest way that you can pursue truth is through the Bible. Say it like this, this is the authoritative word of God. So God gave us a book that has everything that we need for life. It has everything that we need to help us know how to live the life and to connect with his heart, to know him personally. And when you open this book, the Holy Spirit has inspired the writing of the book and the Holy Spirit also inspires the reading of the book. So the Spirit of God is at work and works in your heart. The scripture says it doesn't return void. So when the word of God goes into your heart, it bears fruit. The word of God, when it goes into your heart, the scripture says it's like a double-edged sword that reveals what's on the inside, our intentions and our thoughts come to light, things that we didn't even see in, in ourselves. So if I really want truth, I have to submit myself to this book, go on a journey of letting this book review my life and letting it change me. And some of you today, maybe you, you want to know God. My encouragement to you, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, is to open this book and to begin to read it. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the accounts of Jesus' life, and just choose a chapter a day and start reading it. And say, God, I want to know you. If you're real, reveal yourself to me. Now, our team uh, this week put together a great resource. It's like a little one-pager, how to get started on reading the Bible, how to re jumpstart your, your daily reading time. And today, when you take your next steps and you check in, uh, there's a place that you can click send me the free resource and it'll come to you directly uh, to your inbox by the time you get to your car. But I wanna ask you, as you're thinking about this for just a moment, I wanna ask you, have you opened up the Bible to let it change your life? Studies show us, listen to these statistics, that when you engage the Bible, four plus times a week. Now one, two, and three has results, but there is this exponential curve when there are four days a week that I'm reading the Bible. And here are some stats that talk about the way engaging the Bible changes our lives. One, loneliness drops 
by 30%. Anger drops by 32%. So if you got a problem throwing your phone, start reading the Bible. Bitterness in relationships drops by 40%. Alcoholism by 57%. Sexual sins such as pornography drop 58%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drop 62%. Sharing one's faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 230%. There is power in God's word. There is power in the scripture. I want to encourage you to open it. And we're going to do that together. Now, in the new year, I'm going to give just a little bit of vision. And you might have heard me say this already. If you have, this is just another emphasis to get our hearts ready. In the new year, we're going to launch into what we're calling the anchored life. So as we're in chaos in our world, as it's a year of election, what better way to be anchored than in Scripture to read the Bible? So as a whole church family, we're going to read through the entire New Testament in eight weeks. Some of you have been saying, oh, would say that's a lot of Bible reading, um, but there's a lot of other things that we do with our lives that don't change our lives. So what if we replace it with scripture for eight weeks? I believe God's gonna use it to strengthen our church, but not only is he gonna use it to strengthen our church, he's gonna use it to help us make a difference. And our prayer next year is that God would help us be a church that engages over a million people in reading the Bible. So we're gonna chase that dream and vision next year, and I cannot wait to see what God is going to do through that. It's gonna be awesome. Now, as we consider this desire to be a wholehearted seeker of truth, there are two other points I wanna make from this passage of scripture, and I wanna come back to verse three. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So he called together a meeting of leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. In verse seven, it says, then Herod called for a private meeting with these wise men and he learned from them the time when the star had first appeared. He then told them to go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Herod is not interested in worship. In fact, if you keep reading the chapter, he's gonna have all the babies in that vicinity murdered. That's how wicked Herod was. He was not searching for truth. He was not searching for the Messiah. But these men were. And I want you to consider how they've taken steps towards Jerusalem, but they didn't stop in Jerusalem. So they stepped towards Jerusalem, but they didn't stop when they got there. And the third point I want to emphasize is that we, in order to get the answer that we're looking for, we have to keep stepping towards what is revealed. A star is revealed, it gets them to Jerusalem. But there's going to be another star that takes them all the way into Bethlehem. And in chapter two, verse nine, it says, after this interview with Herod, the wise men went on their way. They kept stepping towards what had been revealed. And this is important because when it comes to the way that God works in our lives, God will reveal himself to us, but then he requires us to step in obedience to what he reveals to us. So there are moments where we pray, God, I want to know your will. I wanna know what you want to do. 
And then God shows you, like God shows you, okay, well, you need to break up with him. I'm like, but I don't wanna break up with him. And then on the inside, you've gotta make the choice. We have to make the choice. Will I obey the very thing that God has asked me to do? And sometimes we're not hearing God speak in our life because we're not responding to the thing that we've already heard God say to us. That God has already revealed himself. God's already revealed a step to take. And the journey spiritually is one step at a time responding to what God shows us to do. This is important in the Old Testament. When God led the Israelites through the desert, he gave them manna, he gave them food, and he gave it to them day by day by day by day. And God is the kind of God that is after a day-by-day relationship with us, that he wants us to encounter his love and his presence. He'll show us what to do, and then we step in obedience to the thing that he asks us to do. So I wonder for you, friend, what's the thing that God's already compelled you or convicted you to do that you haven't responded to yet? Maybe there's somebody in your life God's shown you you need to forgive them. Maybe God's saying to you you need to slow down and take some space in your life. Maybe some of you God is revealing to you you need to shift career. Some of you perhaps there's a reconciliation in a relationship, but responding to what God has revealed is of utmost importance to discover truth in our lives. Sometimes truth is right in front of us, just a couple steps, but we're stuck because we're not doing what God has asked us to do. And the most common prayer that we pray, I've heard this over and over again as a pastor, the most common prayer is, show me your will, God. I wanna know your will. And what we mean, what I mean often when I pray that prayer is, I wanna know the next 20 years of my life, God. Show me it all, and then I'll obey you. But the scripture says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, which means that God will show me one step and I take it, then another step, and then I get to the ultimate place he wants me to be. What's the thing that God is inviting you to step into today? Keep stepping towards what is revealed. The Magi step towards the star, they come to Jerusalem, and now they're gonna go to Bethlehem. And we're gonna finish with these last two verses. It says the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Now, I want you to consider all of the scriptures up until this point are pointing to this moment. There are hundreds of prophecies that speak of a Messiah, that speak of the moment where Emmanuel, God, would be with us. And all throughout the Old Testament, there was the, the, the guidance of God with his presence through a tabernacle, but now there is this moment where God has come in human flesh and he's living inside of a house in Bethlehem, which is so mind-boggling to consider because literally hundreds of people must have walked by, must have seen this little baby because now he's almost two, and they missed the reality that God was among them. They missed the truth that God was there and they could encounter him. But these magi from distant lands have come 900 miles and traveled all the way to Bethlehem and they're there. The star is over the house where Jesus is and their hearts are filled with joy because all of the searching and all of the longing and all of the steps 
that they have been taking leads them to this one place where baby Jesus, almost two years old, is in front of them, and they come in with their gifts. The Bible says that they have gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it says they enter into the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And I just imagine what it would have been like to see him. Did you know? Did you know when you saw him? This one is different. He doesn't spit in his sister's face. He, he, he is, he is, he's different than all the other kids. And they see him with his mother Mary. And notice it says that they bowed down and they worshiped him. They come on their faces before him and they crown him with gifts. They give him gold, which is a gift fit for a king. They give frankincense, which is a gift fit in a priestly way. And they give myrrh, which was used to prepare people for death in a prophetic way, speaking of his death. And they're crowning him in the offices of prophet, priest, and king. Jesus has come to fulfill all of that. He is here in human flesh. And the last point I wanna leave us with today is to give of yourself in worship. In order to literally find what I'm looking for, I have to give of myself in worship. And it might seem like a little bit of a twist to say, well, I'm looking for hope. How does worship help me with that? And what I would say is that longing inside of your heart is met in Jesus. That longing inside of your heart is met in worship back to him. Now, it's impossible to worship him without a relationship with him. And the truth is there are some who are listening to my voice that maybe you're at a place where you don't know for certain that you have a relationship with God. And this holiday season is an opportunity to receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive, the gift of salvation, the gift of you receiving relationship with God in this moment. And the miracle of the story is not just that the Magi have come to worship Jesus. The miracle of the moment is that God has come in human flesh. And the one that they were searching for was searching for them. The one that they were looking for was revealing himself to them. The God that you have been searching for has been searching for you. And the Bible says that he's like a good shepherd that has a hundred sheep. And when one lost sheep is astray, he goes after that one. So the spirit of the living God has been pursuing you to know his heart. And as we wrap up our time together today, I've got two challenges. I've got one for those of you who are seeking, not yet following Jesus, and one for those who are followers of Jesus. And for those who are seeking, who have never taken that step to begin relationship with God, I wanna read you these words in John chapter one, and I wanna encourage you to listen intently to these words. John chapter one, speaking of Jesus, said, he came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. Countless people walked past him not realizing he's God in human flesh. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is good news that no matter what your ethnic descent, no matter what your background is, no matter what brokenness you brought to church with you today, there's an invitation to relationship with God that you could become a child of God by faith in this Jesus who was placed into a manger, that became a toddler, who grew up, lived a perfect sinless life, was nailed to a Roman cross, was placed into a grave and conquered that grave. By faith in him, you can begin relationship with God to all who believed. 
to those that received him. He gave the right to become children of God. And it says they're born, reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. I want you to listen to me right now. There's some guy, you're here, your wife watches football with you, so you promise to come to church with her. And you're here, not by accident. There's some young girl that's listening to my voice, you're not confident of the relationship that you have with God. And the spirit of the living God is stirring and is working on your heart. And there are those moments in your life where you finish the day and you know something is missing. And there's something around you happening and you can't fully put your finger on it. It's the spirit of the living God drawing you to Jesus, bringing you, saying come home to the heart of God. And I wanna encourage you to lock eyes with me right now. There's no decision that you will ever make with your life that has more eternal significance than the decision to open your heart to the living God. You are an eternal being that was created by God for God. You'll live your life here on planet Earth, maybe 80, 90 years, who knows? And the moment of your decision to receive the good news of Jesus in your life is the most important moment of your entire life. And I wanna speak to you. Today is the day of salvation. There are some of you that are listening to my voice that God is saying, open your heart to me. I love you so much. I came from heaven to earth for you so that you could know my heart. And today, I'm inviting you into friendship with me. I'm telling you, after 25 years plus of walking with Jesus, I know he's real. I've encountered him in my heart. I've experienced him. He's better than anything this world has to offer. He's better than success. He's better than fame. He's better than any relationship. And he can fill that hole in your heart today, right now, in this moment. I wanna challenge you to receive salvation. I wanna encourage you to open your heart to God right now in this moment. Here's how you do it. With every eye closed, every head bowed, here's how you do it. In this moment, you just say back to God, I believe that you came from heaven to earth. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I open the door of my heart to you in this moment to receive the gift of salvation. I'm choosing to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.